Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. So we have two scriptures this morning, and Jonah is not an epistle. It is actually an Old Testament reading. My apologies if y'all ever proofread the bulletin. Um, So I'll be reading from Jonah, um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, to begin. So hear now these words. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. And Jonah began to go into the city going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown! Exclamation mark. And the people of Nineveh believed God. And they proclaimed a fast. And everyone great and small put on sackcloth. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel according to Mark, which Miss Kathy has shared a little bit with us. And I will be reading 14 through 20 from chapter 1. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, Jesus saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the living word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, on this day as we hear the story of Jonah and Jesus calling the disciples, there is a message there for us to hear today, and maybe the story is familiar to us, but ask us and give us the patience to be still, to allow the words to fall fresh upon our ears that we will be stirred into a greater awareness of what this might mean for us in this day and in this time. So may the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I love how these two texts work together, and you may think I'm crazy for thinking that they do. So let's set it up so we kind of know where we're situated, okay? So let's start with Jonah. So Jonah hears from God the second time because God has already told Jonah once to go to Nineveh to make that community hear the word of God so that they can turn away from their evil ways. But what did Jonah do? Jonah went the opposite direction. We know how this goes. He gets swallowed by a big fish. How long is he in the belly of the fish? Three days and three nights. 
and then he is cast out, right? Because he was in the ocean to begin with because he was causing a calamity on the boat with which he was traveling. And so anyway, so he ends up in the big belly of a fish, right? So then God speaks to Jonah a second time and says, go to Nineveh and proclaim the good news. Okay, so that's, that's where we are. So Jonah's already once defied what God has asked of him and has almost experienced, you know, a resurrection, if you think about, in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And so now he actually does what God asks of him. And he goes to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, if you heard very carefully, how big is Nineveh? It's huge. A three days walk from one side to the other, right? So we're not talking a small gathering. We're talking a substantial population of people in Nineveh. And Jonah travels about one day into the city. So he's not on the outskirts and he's not in the town center, right? Otherwise he would have had to have gone a day and a half to get to the middle. He's kind of somewhere on the cusp of the normal folks and those who would have been very high important living in the center town, right? And so Jonah says, 40 days or calamity will fall upon Nineveh, right? He's proclaiming this message of God that God's going to rain destruction upon the people. And how do the people respond? They put on sackcloth and ashes and they repent and they turn to God. Now, if we keep reading Jonah, we know that Jonah gets angry about this and has another, you know, conversation and interaction with God. But the point here in this time is that Jonah actually follows the instructions from God after hearing it a second time. And the people really do turn and, and, and make and amend their behavior and their ways to acknowledge who God is. Because Jonah proclaimed this message. Okay, so we have Jonah here. Okay. Now let's fast forward to our gospel passage. Let's take a moment. So we last week heard about Jesus's baptism, right? The gospel of Mark does not start with um, the birth narrative of Jesus. It starts with John the Baptist, you know, proclaiming, repent and turn to God. I'm baptizing you with water, but the one who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And Jesus comes to the water and asks John to baptize him. And the spirit, like a dove, falls upon Jesus. And we hear God's proclamation, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then we know that this is the beginning, so to speak, of Jesus's ministry, a very intense three years of proclaiming the good news and the gospel of God in ways that challenges the powers and principalities and the religious notions of most within the area that he's going. And so that sets us up for what we hear today, right? That we hear that John was arrested because John was doing these things and was seen as a threat. And then we hear that Jesus calls his disciples. So John had prepared the way, but there were other folks who needed to come and participate in the work that Jesus was going to do. And Jesus walks along the Sea of Galilee. Now, I love the ocean. Hands down, love the beach. I can be there in the middle of winter today, maybe not so much. Um, But the summertime, it doesn't matter. There is something about walking along and knowing that the sand that we walk on has 
are like crushed up seashells and coral, like it just, and then the waves and the tides and just, you know, and then if you look out, sometimes you can see the porpoises and then the pelicans dive in. It's amazing. Like it's just, and it reminds me of how infinite or finite I am and how infinite God is. Um, and, and so to walk on the seashore and, and oftentimes, you know, if I get a chance to head to the beach, you see people casting their, their surf rods out into the ocean, right? And you have to use some pretty heavy weights to be able to have it skip along the bottom. But it made me think about fishing a little bit because here we hear the story that Jesus is calling disciples and very specifically says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, Right. Um, so, uh, for those of you who may not know, I was an only child for 12 years. My little sister, Melissa came in and rocked my world. Um, but in that first 12 years, um, I was my dad's fishing buddy. Um, and he would wake me up early in the morning and we would go fishing and, um, have my own fishing rod and all of that. And, and then we would go fishing. And so we started in in Chesapeake where we fished there, but then there was, when we moved out to Nevada, you can go fishing there. Did you know that? Um, There are water reservoirs and and things like that. So we got up and we went fishing and, you know, same trusty fishing rod, you know, I'm I'm casting it out and, and I land a fish right? And I can tell, you can tell because the the rod will bend, right? When when you actually get something hooked on your fish, on your rod. And and it was a big one. And now mind you, I was maybe 11. Um, But my dad saw, he was like standing off at a distance and he saw, he said, oh my gosh, you got one. Do you need me to help? Let me reel that in for you. And I'm like, no, I got this, right? And I'm like, you know, reeling in this fish, and um, and when a fish is hooked, sometimes it'll switch directions, which means you kind of have to go with them and redirect how you're reeling it in. And anyway, I finally bring it on in, and it's a fish about this big. My dad's like, "Holy cow, that's awesome!" Well, the story is, you know, there's always a fish story, right? That you know, I had to put up the fight for this really big fish, and then my dad only caught one this big. So there is a photo of me standing with my really big fish and him standing with this little itty-bitty one, right? And of course, you know, my dad will love that I was able to go fishing. But this, you know, the point is sometimes we exaggerate our fish stories. But I actually have photographic evidence that I caught a bigger fish than my dad, right? Um, But, you know, this idea of when we land the fish, sometimes we have to turn direction to kind of follow its lead so that we can reel it in and bring it to the shore, right? And I, and I think a little bit about Jonah, you know, that God had to reel Jonah in to make sure that Jonah was going the direction that God had asked, right? So God had asked something and Jonah went totally opposite direction and he needed a pretty big fish story in order to redirect his life and do what God asked, right? And because Jonah had that experience, he was then able to use his basis of experience to understand the goodness of God to also proclaim the good news to the people of Nineveh, that they heard this. And, and I just imagine, like, if, if Jonah was, you know, wailing out into this community, how fast and how far and who took that word that he proclaimed so much so that the whole town of Nineveh turned and repented and threw on ash and sackcloth in order to follow God, 
that Jonah could not have been the only one to make that proclamation, that others would have had to have picked up that message and carried it throughout so that all would be able to hear it. And then we have Jesus, who calls fishermen, that their whole lives would have been spent on a boat in the uncertain Uh, waters of the Sea of Galilee that could be very calm and then a wind could come up and a storm at a moment's turn, right? And and we hear later that, um, you know, in some of the other gospels that they cast their net off and didn't catch anything, right? And then Jesus said, well, turn it off to the other side. And then their, their catch was so bountiful, they struggled to bring their haul in over the boat's side. And so I hear that sometimes God will give us ways to turn so that we can follow. And for me and for us, as it relates within the life of the church, this unfortunately is the nature of sin. That sin, we do have that original sin, which we are all born into, but there are also the things that we carry day to day that separate us from the right relationship with God. We understand that sin is those things known and unknown that have us turned away from what it is that God intends for us. And we need something pretty significant sometimes to bring us back in. And sometimes maybe it's just simply God's grace that empowers and brings us to a point to recognize that we need God and God's salvation, that that grace speaks into our lives. But to have that, we have to turn away from our humanness, right? We have to turn away from those things that destruct and, and, and separate us further from what God intends for us. And so we think about Jesus and the calling, and, and we know at some point they're going to get so frustrated after the death of Jesus that they're going to go back to what was familiar to them, right? And then they'll need to then turn back and follow and proclaim the good news. Otherwise, we would not be sitting here today, right? So for us, you know, whatever that fishing story is, Wherever that moment is where you are heading in one direction and you say, maybe this is not what God intends for me or my life. Maybe I need to turn to follow and to follow Jesus. And sometimes it may be that you yourself may not have the things that you need to make that conscious, conscientious decision to turn to follow, but you need somebody else who's willing to walk alongside of you, to pray for you, to carry you when you don't think you can take another step, or one who's going to love you enough to tell you the truth, to say you need to do something different because this is not what God intends for you. And God will not leave you where you are because God loves you and has claimed you by your baptism And reminds us that we are called to turn and to follow Jesus.